Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. I'm Anand Swami Nathan. And I'm Jenny Beck Esme. Jenny, what are we going to get into today? Today, we're doing some true bread and butter emergency medicine. This is what we should live for, something we see frequently, acute rhinosinusitis. We're really going for the critical resuscitation topics this month, huh? Life-changing stuff here. But you know, it is. This is, this is problematic stuff. It, it is. It's problematic stuff. It's stuff we see all the time. And it's part of some of our Choosing Wisely campaign about how we should be managing these things. Maybe not for our field, but for some of the associated fields. And it does apply to us. So let's dive in and let's start with some definitions. Acute rhinosinusitis is defined as symptoms that have been going on for less than four weeks. Subacute rhinosinusitis is symptoms that have been going on for four to 12 weeks. And chronic rhinosinusitis are symptoms persisting greater than 12 weeks. There are also patients who have recurrent acute rhinosinusitis. That's more than four episodes per year with interim symptom resolution. And the reason it's important to have a little bit of a grasp of all these different definitions is because we are typically seeing acute rhinosinusitis and the management of that is slightly different than the other two. From an epidemiology perspective, we see lots of cases of this, about 20 million cases per year in the U.S., not just in the emergency department, but overall across all different fields and specialties. And it costs about $4 billion a year. It is a source of one in five antibiotic prescriptions for adults. And Jenny, I don't think this is any surprise. Most of those prescriptions are unnecessary. Yeah, but those are some pretty impressive numbers, one in five. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about presentation. Sinusitis is most commonly diagnosed by clinical symptoms alone. So the common symptoms include purulent nasal discharge, nasal congestion, facial pain or pressure, especially over a sinus or unilaterally, anosmia, which is a great word, the loss of the sense of smell, hyposmia or decreased sense of smell, fever, cough, fatigue, maxillary pain, or ear pressure or fullness. It's really important to hone in those common symptoms because like you said, that's how this diagnosis is going to be made. So we talked a little bit about duration of sinusitis. There are also some other classifications. There's the acute viral rhinosinusitis, the most common viral etiologies being rhinovirus, influenza, and parainfluenza. This is the most common form of rhinosinusitis. There's also uncomplicated acute bacterial rhinosinusitis. These are ones where there's a clear bacterial etiology without clinical evidence of extension outside of the paranasal sinuses. Bacterial superinfection occurs in about a half to 2% of all rhinosinusitis cases. And then finally, there's complicated acute bacterial rhinosinusitis. These are episodes where there's clinical evidence of extension outside the paranasal sinuses and the nasal cavity. And these definitions between the different classifications, the viral, the bacterial, the complicated, this brings us to the crux of the matter, and that's differentiating which patients have viral and don't need antibiotics, and which patients have bacterial where antibiotics might be helpful. Yeah, we need to figure that out. So color change in sputum does not determine whether an infection is viral or bacterial. We would love that to be true, but it just isn't true. So viral infections tend to begin resolution by 7 to 10 days. They're rarely going to be associated with fever, and but if fever is present, it really should only last in those first 48 hours of their symptoms. So the guidelines for diagnosing acute bacterial are the presence of URI cold or cold-type symptoms that 
don't improve after 10 days or worsen after five to seven days of improvement. So they were getting better and then they got worse. Severe symptoms include high fever, purulent discharge, or facial pain for three to four days. That's going to be more likely to be bacterial. All right, let's review that one more time, Jenny, because I think this is really important. Viral sinusitis should resolve within seven to 10 days. There can be fever, but it usually only lasts for a day or two. The bacterial sinusitis are the ones where there's improvement and then all of a sudden they get worse or they've been going on for 10 days and the symptoms haven't gotten better. Those are the cases where we really have to hone in and say, you know what, maybe this is bacterial and we need to add an antibiotic. We stated earlier that most of the cases are viral, and let's take a look behind the data for using antibiotics in sinusitis. Clinically diagnosed acute sinusitis, we have a number of studies that show that there's the same cure rate at seven days, but improved cure rate at seven to 14 days for those who use antibiotics. The overall treatment effect shows a number needed to treat of 18, but a number needed to harm of eight. And those are mostly GI side effects. So these are not the way that we want these numbers to go. We are hoping that the NNT is lower than the NNH, and that's not what we see here. In patients with radiographically diagnosed acute sinusitis, and Jenny, I'll be honest, I am not doing CT scans or x-rays looking for sinusitis, but if you were, the endpoint here being clinical cure at 7 to 15 days, we see very similar NNTs and NNHs. The number needed to treat is about 15 in radiographically diagnosed acute sinusitis. Number needed to harm is about 8. So again, you're going to be hurting more patients than you help. And this is because the vast majority of these cases are viral. The antibiotics don't do anything except give us side effects. But Jenny, this still doesn't tell us who should get antibiotics and who shouldn't. What we would love to see, Jenny, this is what I want. This is what I want, and you're going to make it happen. I want a professional society recommendation to tell me what to do. Can you make that happen? Well, I don't know if I can make it happen, but I think the IDSA can make it happen. Oh, let's the do IDSA. it. I like the IDSA. That's a good organization. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> so the IDSA gave some recommendations for antibiotic treatment. And they basically said uh, patients that should be treated are those who have persistent symptoms without improvement. So that means more than 10 days, severe symptoms for more than three to four days, or worsening. And they call this the double sickening. That's for more than three to four days. And this makes sense if you go back and think about what we just talked about a few minutes ago, the the symptoms and things that were most associated with bacterial infection are the ones that last longer than 10 days, really bad symptoms, or that they're getting better and then they get worse group of patients. Here are the two things I love about these recommendations, Jenny. First of all, when we say severe symptoms, we're talking about those really high fevers that you really shouldn't sow with viral uh, sinusitis. The second is that word double sickening. I think we should make a movie called Double Sickening. It's going to be a zombie movie, obviously, but what a great term, the double sickening. (laughs) Double sickening. Patients got something, they're starting to get better, and then they get worse again. These are the patients we should be honing in on for treatment. And when we talk about treatment, the IDSA has some good recommendations on what we should be using. No, you can't just throw azithromycin at everybody. We have to really think carefully. So the first-line antibiotics for patients with sinusitis who you're going to treat is amoxicillin 875 milligrams BID for five to seven days or doxycycline 100 milligrams BID for five to seven days, again, showing that doxycycline is the best drug. Doxycycline is the antibiotic that I always want. In fact, for the double sickening, our movie about zombies, I'm going to make doxycycline the cure. All right. Yeah. Spoiler alert. That's how you fix it. 
Definitely. The, basically, the thing we've talked about on the last several podcasts is we should just be always using doxycycline. <laughs> yep. Stock doc- doxycycline in your hospital. Keep some at home. If you travel, take doxy with you. It is a great drug. Now, if the patient fails first line, the second line antibiotics are amoxclavulinic acid, 875, 125 milligram BID for five to seven days, or levofloxacin, 500 milligrams orally every 24 hours for five days. And again, the key here is don't start with the amoxclav or with the levofloxacin. Start with amoxicillin or doxycycline and only elevate if the patient's not getting better. Yeah, I think that's an important point. A lot of the time we think we want to go toward just the definitive, this is for sure going to take care of it, but that's not really great for antibiotic stewardship. We should go up the chain like like they recommend. And Jenny, let's be honest, amoxclav and uh, levofloxacin, these have far more side effects than plain amoxicillin or doxycycline. Okay, so let's get to a bottom line. Given the risk for adverse events associated with antibiotic use, the growing spectrum of resistance and the lack of significant differences in outcomes with antibiotic use, it's really better to avoid antibiotics in most patients with acute rhinosinusitis. Antibiotics should be considered in those with severe disease and in patients that are immunocompromised. And of course, we should be considering antibiotics as well in patients who aren't getting better after five or six days and for those who have the double sickening. Let's finish up with some take-home points. Acute rhinosinusitis is a clinical diagnosis. The vast majority of acute rhinosinusitis cases are viral in nature and do not require antibiotics, but consider the use of antibiotics in select groups with severe disease or worsening symptoms after initial improvement. Fantastic. That's all for the CoreM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Falls on Google Plus, and on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks, and see you all next week.